Well, you might notice that I am not Pastor Troy. I uh, want to let you know that he is doing well. Um, he did have to return to the hospital last night. There were some concerns. Um, and so he is, um, he is going to be okay, but it is going to take a while. And so I appreciate, I covet your prayers. Please continue to pray for him. Uh, he is at home and he is resting. If you know Pastor Troy, uh, he was in the ER like, I think I could probably you know, be there. And so Pastor Keeley, I think, is sitting on him at home, just making sure that he, he can't go anywhere. Uh, but we appreciate, as, as one of the pastors, I appreciate your prayers, your understanding, your flexibility. As his eldest daughter, um, last week was pretty scary. There were a few moments where we weren't sure. Um, and this church showed up and showed off uh, for Jesus. You um, just, your prayers meant the world to us. You're checking in, your love, your support. So thank you very, very much. He is going to be okay. Uh, but we're going to continue to encourage him to take it slow. Uh, we're also encouraging our elder Larry to take it slow as well. Take good care of himself. We're continuing to pray for you after your surgery and believing that God is going to heal you in his time. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'd like to share with you just in these few brief moments we have uh, for today, left today. God has already done so much in the house, but I'd like to share a word with you if that's okay. And if it's not, um, well, I have the microphone. So uh, we have uh, this stupid toy. Um, I hate, my sister's already laughing. I hate this toy. My parents got it um, and gave it to my children. Um, and so now it lives at their house. And anytime the kids try to come home with it, we send it back to Nana and Papa's because my kids love to push this button. No, no, no. A thousand times, no. And they love to push it over. No. And no. over. And over again. And it drives me absolutely bonkers. And so I was already irritated that my parents apparently believe in karma now and are giving me toys like this for my children. And then my son had the audacity to tell my mother, <laughs> it sounds like mama. <laughs> So guess who's not getting any hot dogs today? So, okay, so I'm a millennial mom. So how many of you are already irritated with me? Okay, <laughs> I'm a millennial mom. And so there's this thing where, you know, we're trying to fix a bunch of stuff. Some of it ain't even broke, but we're just trying to fix it. And one of the things that you're not supposed to do now is you're not supposed to say no to your kids. You're just not supposed to say no. You're supposed to say yes and. So if they're like, can I have a cookie? You're supposed to be like, yes, and we will have one after dinner. Instead of being like, no, you can't have a cookie right now. It's 9 a.m., doofus. Okay, so, you, you know, they're like, can we go to the park? And you're not supposed to say, you know, no. You're supposed to say, yes, we will go to the park on Friday. Here's the deal. I have four kids. This is ridiculous. This works in about two and a half percent of situations. And the rest of them, the kids aren't stupid. They know what you're, they know you said no without saying no, okay? And the truth of it is, no matter how positive we want to be with our kids, we have to say no to them. Like, that's one of our jobs as parents. They're like, can I have a pony? You can't be like, yes, and we will put it in your brother's room, right? Like, they're like, can I have candy? You can't be like, yes, and there's always diabetes medication and stretchy pants, right? Like, if they're like, can I run out into the road? You can't be like, yeah, kid, run fast. So you, you have to say no to your children, 
But I knew that I was saying no a lot when I heard my son, the same son, that, that son, singing in his room, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me no. Millennial mom. I come running and I want to be like, no, no, no. Jesus doesn't say no, baby. Jesus says, he says yes. He just says yes to better things. But that's not true. That's not true. The, the Bible says no all the time. It's full of no's. The whole book, the entire story starts with no. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He creates the world. He creates everything in the world. He creates the creatures in the world. And then he creates the humans in the world. He creates man and woman, Adam and Eve. And he tells them, you can have everything, yes to everything, except this one thing. There's one thing that I don't want you to do. That one is a big no. And you know what God didn't do is he didn't give an explanation. Because that's another dumb millennial parenting thing right now. It's like, if you have to say no, you need to explain it to them. You need to explain it. They need to understand. No, they don't. Like, okay, this is an excuse not to engage with your children. You do need to engage. It's not fair to just be like, because I said so all the time. But no, you don't. If my child is running out into a parking lot, I'm not getting down on their level. Sweetheart, honey, oh, I know you want. Are you just so disappointed? I feel disappointed sometimes too. Oh, baby, I know you want it. Maybe we could do it some other, maybe. Oh, come here. No, I'm gonna say no. And they're gonna come right back here. Because sometimes we need to explain, but a lot of times if our children know that we generally engage with them and we love them and we provide for them and we keep them safe, then a no doesn't need an explanation. It needs immediate obedience. And that's what God was saying to Adam and Eve. He's saying, I've given you literally everything. I have shown you, you can trust me. So trust me and don't do this thing. And what did Satan do but capitalize on their sense of self-importance and selfishness? He's keeping from you. He's, he's taking something away from you. Shouldn't you do what you want? You're entitled to it after all. And so Eve and then Adam disobeyed. And what did it lead to? It led to death. Because that's what sin always leads to. Sin is disobeying God and sin always leads to death. Romans 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin wasn't in the world prior to Adam and Eve's disobedience. It wasn't intended to be in the world. And you know what else wasn't in the world before they disobeyed? Death. There was no such thing as death. Death entered the world when sin did. And so we fast forward a few generations and God in his infinite grace and mercy has a plan to redeem the world. 
And the first part of his plan is he starts with this chosen nation called the Israelites. And he says to them, I'm gonna give you a law. I'm gonna give you a list of rules to live by. I'm gonna give you a list of no's. And you need to obey it because those sins lead to death. But because I already know you will disobey, I'm going to give you a way to avoid the death of those decisions. And so God gave the Israelites a system of sacrifice. Now, not all sacrifice was for the atonement of sins, but the sin sacrifice is when someone would bring a specific animal to the temple and they would transfer their sins symbolically onto that animal. And then that animal would be slaughtered and that animal would take the death penalty on behalf of the person. And in in this way, uh, they were able to avoid the death that came from their sins, but that wasn't God's whole plan. What that did was it showed how impossible the law was to keep and how there could never be enough sacrifices to truly stop the death that comes with sin. And so God's next step was to send Jesus. And he sent Jesus to earth. Jesus was his one and only son, a real man that really walked on earth. And he was 100% God and 100% man, which is impossible for us to comprehend, but vital, crucial to this process. Because when Jesus was on earth, he made it clear that he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come to say, there are no rules. He came to fulfill the law. I want you to read this with me in Matthew chapter five, verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And the way Jesus did that was by dying. He died a criminal's death on a cross, the worst way that a human being could die in that day. And he was totally innocent, completely without sin. But when he did it, he became the ultimate sin sacrifice. And so when you hear someone say, Jesus died for my sins, what they mean is they're accepting Jesus's offer and they are transferring their sin and the consequences of that sin onto Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's sacrifice absolves them of that sin. And now they are clean as if they never sinned. His death atones for their sin. And to further the amazing grace of God, Jesus died for everyone. He didn't just die for God's chosen people, for the Israelites. He started there and he used the Israelites to take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ's offer to the rest of the world. And so that offer is for every living person. John 3, 16, I bet some of you can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish perish, but have eternal life. Now, do the people that accept God's gift still die? Yes. We live in a fallen world, but our world is short. It's fleeting. It's temporary. And so what happens after death is that if a person's sins are not atoned for, 
They cannot be in the presence of God. So their soul will spend the rest of eternity in hell. It's a place of utter torment because that's what we deserve for our sins. But the greatest torment of all is that people in hell will never experience the presence of God for the rest of eternity. But when someone receives Jesus' offer to be the sacrifice for their sins, that person enters into eternity absolved of all guilt, and therefore, they will spend the rest of eternity in heaven. And heaven is a place of total perfection and beauty, like the world was intended to be when it was created. But here's what makes it totally perfect. You will forever be in the presence of Almighty God. So accepting Jesus' gift, saying yes to Jesus, is what we call salvation. It's when you're saved from the death of your sins. Isn't that the biggest, most beautiful yes you could possibly imagine? But that's not the end of it. We don't say yes and then move on with our lives waiting for eternity. That yes is the beginning of living life on this earth the way God intended us to. See, a lot of people think that living the way that God called us to is somehow against the grain. It's against uh, how we should be doing it. It's some kind of new way to live. But God created each and every one of us. And he created us intending for us to live a certain way, for an optimum life, for the best blessing, for everything that he intended for us and how he loves us. And so we choose to live that way now. We choose to live the way that God intended us to. The question is, does that mean there are no more no's? No. But we no longer say no because we have to. We say no because we trust God's no. I want you to go back with me for a second to the law that God gave the Israelites. There are so many laws. It's chapter after chapter down to the minute detail. It's overwhelming. If you have ever tried to read your Bible and you just assumed that like any other book, you should read it from cover to cover, you probably got about three or four chapters in or three or four books in and got to these laws and just gave up because it was so overwhelming. If you need some help figuring out where to start, I would love to help you with that. But Leviticus is not the place. (laughs) Those laws, they're they're overwhelming, but some of the most well-known and easy to understand laws are the Ten Commandments. And they're just a bunch of no's. Are we allowed to kill? This is my last word. No! Well, Well, are we allowed to steal? No! Well, what if we have a good reason? No. Okay, but what if I want to cheat on my spouse because I've fallen out of love with them? N-O, no. Okay, but what if I tell a little white lie? No means no. No. So now that we aren't under the law anymore, now that Jesus fulfilled the law, do we not have to obey these no's anymore? No, 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 no. We don't obey the law because we have to. We obey the law because God loves us. He takes care of us. He protects us and he meets all of our needs. And we understand that he says no for our good. 
We say no to lying because it hurts other people and ultimately it hurts us because lying will destroy our relationships and even our own self-image. We say no to stealing because it leaves others in need and ultimately it hurts our relationship with God because we're telling God, I don't trust you to meet my need. We say no to killing because it robs someone else of the life God gave them and ultimately it hurts us because we have interrupted the plan that God had for that person's life. And more than that, when Jesus was on earth, he doubled down on some of these laws. He, he uh, said, I know that you know you're not supposed to kill, but I say if you hate someone in your heart, you've murdered well, I believe the letter of that this morning that you have murdered that person, but may I submit to you that if you hate someone in your heart, you may just be murdering yourself. Amen. There's so many more laws. When we let Jesus come in and teach us all the good no's of our lives, our lives are abundant and fulfilling and good even when it's inconvenient or painful to give up our sins. Like this isn't a perfect example, but I want to leave you with this as we're winding down here this morning. My kids are under my law right now. They're little, and they feel like all I ever say is no. And to that, I say, baby, you are welcome. Because in this season, it is my job to lead them into a beautiful, fulfilling life. And I do that not by my own power, but by the power of God in me, because he has called me for such a time as this. But that life that I'm giving my kids, it's going to be built on no, and they will say it when they're older. They will say no to the wrong things, not because I'm making them do it, but because I will have raised them to understand that saying yes to Jesus means saying no to the things that interrupt his plan for our life. And I love my children enough to tell them no. So my question for you today, if you're here in the room, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, is are you ready to say yes to Jesus' gift? And a lot of times, people hesitate because they aren't sure what all is involved in that. And so I've done my best to give you a pretty good idea of the basics today, the history behind that. Saying yes is transferring your sins to Jesus so you don't spend an eternity apart from God. Romans 10.9 says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saying yes to Jesus is letting him come live in your heart to give you the desire and the power to live life the way God intended when he created you. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, Philippians 2.13 says, I want to read it to you from out of my Bible here. It says, for it is God who works in you, that's people who have said yes to Jesus, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want you to leave that up there. There's another version that says, it is God who works in you, giving you the desire and the power 
to do what pleases Him. And isn't that what we need? We need the power to say yes to what Jesus has for us and no to what He doesn't. And we also need the desire because don't, don't you quite often find that your desires are at odds for God's best for you? Do you really think that means God's best is the wrong choice? It's our desires that need to be molded into what He has for us. Saying yes to Jesus is saying no to the things that cause death. And that's a process that will last the rest of your life. There will be sins that when you say to Jesus, stop immediately. And I praise God for that. And there will be other things that as you grow and as you're discipled, as you come alongside the church and as you learn, you will learn that certain things are sins and you will give them up when you learn about them. And there will be other things that God will speak to you and teach you and call you to do better every single day for the rest of your life. It's called going from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's the process of sanctification. And it will only stop when we one day step into eternity with Jesus Christ. Saying yes to Jesus is also saying yes to being part of a family. The church is here for you, to support you, teach you, encourage you, and walk with you. You won't do this alone. Saying yes to Jesus is saying the best yes you will ever say, and it will require you to say a lot of no's. Because Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you no. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Honor God in this. We do this so that you can have a moment where you're not looking at anyone else, where you have a moment of privacy and intimacy with the Savior of the universe who is coming after you. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus today, I believe with every fiber of my being, whether you're sitting in the room, listening from somewhere else on campus, watching live, or watching this 10 years after the fact, that the Lord has ordained you to hear these words and that this is the moment to say your best yes. You've already heard the why, you've already heard the what, and here's the how. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, or if you have said yes and then walked back on that commitment and you need to say yes again, you're gonna repeat that prayer after me. There is no magic in these words, but there is biblical truth. And when we say these words, we know that we are surrendering our idea of yes. And we are saying no to whatever God calls us to say no to. And so if that's you on the count of three, I'm gonna have you raise your hand and I'm gonna have you keep it up between you and God as an act of surrender. If you need to say yes to Jesus, one, you're gonna put your hand up in just a second. It's gonna feel like it weighs a thousand pounds. You fight that, two, because this is the moment that you say yes to Jesus. Three, put that hand up in the air right now. If you need to say yes to Jesus, if this is the moment, keep that hand up and repeat after me. God, forgive my sins. Jesus, I accept your gift. Teach me when to say yes and when to say no. Fill me with your spirit so I can have the desire and the power to live the life you want me to live. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for new life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Can somebody give God glory in the house here today? If you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you are now part of God's family. That family is called the church and it is so much more than new life. It is the body of believers across the world and they are cheering for you as you follow Jesus. Welcome to the family. But now before we go today, I need to talk to the family. No matter how long you've been a part of it, I need to remind you of something today. If you have already said yes to Jesus before you came here today, you might think that this message was wasted on you. But I've been praying for you. I've been praying for our church family, for every age, every stage, every family and individual, no matter how consistent or inconsistent, how close or how far at arm's length. I have been praying that we as a church family will take seriously the command that Jesus gave us when he told every single one of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. That teaching is for you because it's the teaching that you live by and the teaching that you are meant to spread everyone around you. There is not one single person in the body of Christ who is exempt from this command. So you listen to me out of love. If you are not actively sharing your testimony, telling other people about Jesus, living a life worthy of your calling and compelling people to come into the church from the lips of God to your precious heart, I have one thing to say to you. No, no, no. A thousand times, no. Do not waste the life that you have been given and enter into eternity to find that you have not pleased the presence of God because you live to please yourself on this earth. Church, you were called for such a time as this. And there is no one in history that can reach the people that you can reach the way that you can reach them. So now, may God bless you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. Have some fun in this house today. Eat some food, take some pictures, and then go be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I have one more thing to say to you. Go, Pat, go. You're dismissed, church. We love you.